Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church, growing in faith and friendship. Great, well, today we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 1 and verses 1 to 17, which talks all about the birth of Jesus. But before we do that, we just need to understand something of the background and the context. Israel at that time was being oppressed by the Romans who had occupied their land, and they were being exploited by the Romans through, uh, through very high taxes and the like. And so it was during this time that the Jewish community started looking back at their scriptures, at the prophecies of old, and, and reinterpreting them in, in light of their current situation. And they particularly looked at the, the, the prophecies that spoke about how one of King David's descendants whom they called the Messiah, would rule over the world, bringing justice and peace. And so, for example, the prophet Isaiah, 700 years before the birth of Jesus, writes, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Now, this prophecy was partially fulfilled during Isaiah's own day with the birth of King Hezekiah, who himself was a descendant of David. A virgin would have got married and would have given birth in a very natural way to a son, King Hezekiah. However, that only partially fulfilled that prophecy because ultimately this prophecy was pointing to the ultimate descendant of David, the Messiah, who would literally be born of a virgin and who would also literally be Emmanuel, which means God with us. He would literally be God with us in the flesh as a human. Speaking of the same child, the prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And verse 7, Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And so the Jews were waiting, longing, and hoping for God to fulfill these prophecies, for God to intervene and to step into human history and put the world to right. And this is where we pick up our Bible reading in Matthew chapter 1 and verses 18 to 25. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, She was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. 
All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Well, I can't believe it. He's going to go through with the marriage? He's going to marry that tart and keep her baby bastard? What a scandal. What a shameful thing to do. I can't believe Joseph would do that. Look, Joseph and I, we've been mates for years. We went to school together. Every Sabbath, we would go to the synagogue together. After we finished school and Joseph went off to do his apprentice as a carpenter, we would still meet up every evening after work. You see, we were part of a local group called the Friends, where we would study the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament to you, and we would have theological debate about the Bible. You see, we're living in dark times. The world is a mess. Everyone just seems to do whatever pleases them. And there's so much greed and evil. You know what I mean? People have turned their hearts away from God, and as a result, God's turned His back on us. And now we've been exploited by the Romans with these high taxes and the like. But as faithful Jews, we're waiting for God to fulfill His promises of old. For God to step into history and intervene and, and put the world to right and kick out these Romans. But we know that before God does that, we first have to save ourselves. We first have to purify ourselves. And the way you do that is by obeying every law in the law of Moses that's found in the Bible. That's why we study the Bible every night. And Joseph knows this. He's a very devout Jew. That's why he was so excited when he found out that his parents had organized with Mary's parents for them to get married. This all happened a couple of years ago. Now Mary was only about 12 years old then. But even at 12, you could tell that she had a real deep inner devotion for God. Sure, she was quite a looker, but her real beauty and the thing that captivated Joseph was this deep inner devotion and passion for God. It looked like a marriage made in heaven. I can still remember their engagement day. She was beaming. She had this mixture of, of um, anxiety and excitement. Like any 14-year-old, she was about 14 at the time, would have like a typical teenager girl on her engagement day. Joseph, being a little bit more mature, he was about 18 at the time, he kind of just took it all in his stride. But even I could tell, he was really stoked with his bride. Now, by the way, to be engaged in my culture is a big deal. It's nothing like your wishy-washy engagements, no offense. But in my culture, when you get engaged, there is a big celebration. 
There's a ceremony. And the whole village is invited. And there's an exchanging of vows. And there's the financial agreement. You have to agree how much the the, the husband's going to be paying the father-in-law. And it's a legal binding contract that can only be broken through divorce or death. So it's a big deal. However, the guy and the girl still continue to live with their parents for a whole year until the wedding day when there's another ceremony and another big celebration. And then, and only then, does the girl, the bride, go home with the groom. And then, and only then, is the marriage consummated. If the two, the guy and the girl, want to see each other during the engagement, they have to be chaperoned to ensure their purity. So you can imagine how shocked we were when we discovered that sweet little Mary wasn't as innocent as we thought. Poor Joseph. He was so distraught. I've never seen him so distraught. He's normally so calm and collected, but he just lost it. How can she do this to me? He kept yelling over and over again. And he went through all the steps of grief. Firstly, denial. It can't be true. She can't be pregnant. It must be a mistake. I was like, it's kind of obvious. There's no denying it. She's pregnant. And then he went into anger. I'm going to get some stones and stone that tart myself. Calm down, calm down, I said. Eventually he came to accept the truth. Mary is a tart. The worst part was she never told us who the guy was. She she was trying to protect the guy who seduced her by coming up with this far-fetched story about a dream and an angel and the Holy Spirit. As if. Joseph kept saying, what, does she take me for a fool? Does she expect me to believe that she's the, the virgin from Isaiah's prophecy and that her baby is the long-awaited-for Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us? What did she think? I was born yesterday? Well, I knew that when he calmed down, he would do the right thing. And there was only one thing to do. The right and the honorable thing was to divorce her. There was simply no other option. The only way for Joseph to restore his honor after that shameful act of his fiancée, was to divorce her. Our law and our culture requires that a man must divorce an unfaithful fiancée. In fact, our law states that you should stone to death an adulterous fiancée. But unfortunately, The Romans don't like us going around killing people without their permission. And nobody wants to work with the Romans. So the general practice today is that you just divorce her 
publicly to shame her. And then it's up to the mob whether they want to take the law in their own hands or not. But I could tell that that Joseph had an inner struggle within him. He was, he was struggling between, on the one hand, doing the right thing, the honorable thing, and divorcing her, and on the other hand, showing Mary compassion. So I said to him, why are you hesitating? Divorce her. Do it publicly. Shame her because she has hurt you and brought shame upon you. And if you don't, People will start talking. They will say, you're the father. And then you'll bring shame upon yourself and shame upon your family. Your reputation will be gone. Your honor will be gone. Your purity will be gone. No one will want to have anything to do with you. I know, I know, said Joseph. But what about Mary? What about the baby? They will be destitute. They will have nothing. They, they will be out on the street. That they, they might be stoned to death. I, I can't do that to Mary. I said to him, what? Who cares about the tart and her bastard baby? They will get what they deserve. But he wasn't listening to me, was he? Well, at least he did do the right thing, the honorable thing, and divorce her. But rather than dragging her out to the, 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 the village gate and divorcing her in front of all the elders and publicly shaming her in front of the whole village, he decided to divorce her quietly in front of two or three witnesses. Apparently, he didn't want to expose her to the torment of public disgrace. I couldn't believe it. After she has hurt him so deeply, why would he show compassion for her? Well, I'm not sure how she's going to avoid public disgrace completely because everyone knows what she's done. So I just said to Joseph, you make sure you get every single penny back from her father. It's a lot harder to get your money back if you divorce quietly. But then... Just when I think it couldn't possibly get any worse, I suddenly hear that he's no longer going to divorce her, that he's going to go through with the marriage, and that he's going to marry this tart and keep the bastard child as his own. I couldn't believe it. I said, Joseph, are you out of your mind? People will talk. You will lose your reputation. You will lose your, you'll bring shame on yourself and shame on your family. Sure, you will rescue Mary from humiliation, but you're going to bring humiliation upon yourself. Why would you do that? And he said that an angel had spoken to him in a dream. Right. And that this angel had said that he must marry Mary because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. I said, what? From the Holy Spirit? You must be kidding. Look, I'm married. I've got two kids. I know how babies are made. And it's got nothing to do with the Holy Spirit. 
He said, I know how babies are made, but the angel said, I cut straight in there. I said, how do you know it was an angel and not your imagination? I mean, call me Mr. Skeptical if you like, but it sounds just a little far-fetched. And are you prepared to throw away your whole reputation on what you think an angel might have said? He turned around and he looked straight at me. And he said, I know it is true. I know it was an angel. Mary is the chosen one. Mary is the virgin from Isaiah's prophecy. And the baby in her womb is that long-awaited-for Messiah. God himself stepping into human history. Emmanuel. God literally becoming a human. I couldn't believe it. How, how, can, how, can, how can Mary's baby be the Messiah? I mean, you're not royalty. Well, okay, technically, uh, Joseph is a descendant of David, so technically he's royalty, but, but he's not a king. He's a poor carpenter. And, and, and this, this was a mess. That this is a scandal. God, God would never enter into the messiness and the brokenness of humanity. No. No, 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 no. We, we first have to purify ourselves. We first have to obey all the laws of Moses. We have to purify ourselves. We have to become perfect and earn the right to enter into God's presence. That's how it works. God will never stoop down to our level. God will never come down and enter into our mess, would he? God, God, and God would never become a baby. That's just absurd. And then Joseph said, well, maybe that's the whole point. Maybe that's the whole point. You see, we... We've been trying to be religious. We've, we've been trying to purify ourselves. We've been trying to be perfect ever since our bar mitzvah. And where has it got us? Nowhere. The Romans are still exploiting us. I'm still in this mess. My life is still a mess. I, I don't need more rules. I don't need more religion. What I need is a Savior. What I need is God's presence in my life. Perhaps that's why the angel told me to call his name Jesus. I said, what? You're going to call the baby Jesus? Okay, look, there's nothing wrong with the name Jesus. It's a very good, very popular Jewish name. It's the Greek equivalent to the Hebrew name Joshua or Yeshua from the Old Testament. But I said to Joseph, Joseph, that's... There's no Yeshua in your family. So why would you call the baby Jesus? And Joseph said, because the angel told me to. The angel said, name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. I said, I don't need to be saved from my sin. 
I'm a religious guy. I'm an honorable guy. I keep all the commands. Everyone respects me. I don't need help. Joseph turned and he looked straight at me. And he said, Are you sure? Are you sure you don't need a Savior? Are you sure you don't need God's presence in your life? Of course I'm sure. I'm I'm sure I'm sure. I I think I'm sure. I mean, well, it's just that Joseph seems so convinced. And, And he's prepared to throw his whole reputation away. Because he believes it's true. But it can't be true, can it? I mean, okay, God can be present with us in a general way, in an abstract way, but but not in a concrete, not in a a tangible way like this, not, not present as a human, as a baby. I mean, God wouldn't do that. I mean, is it even possible? Well, I guess if, if the Holy Spirit was there at the beginning in, in, in creating the whole universe, then I guess a virgin birth isn't beyond the confines and the boundaries or possibilities for the Holy Spirit. But what would that mean? What would that mean? That that would mean that God is intervening. That that, that God is stepping into human history, stepping into time and space in order to put the world to right, to redeem it, to renew it, to save it. That, that, That would mean that God doesn't love us from a distance. He isn't aloof, but he identifies with us. And he enters into our mess to save us. And that that will mean that, that our salvation isn't dependent on how good we are, but how good he is. That our salvation is, is a gift. A gift from God, and and the gift is God giving himself to us as a baby. That would mean we don't have to do things to earn God's favor by being religious, by being perfect, because God already loves us. He loves us so much that he would become a baby, a vulnerable baby. Wow. Imagine that. The the almighty God, the infinite God who flung stars into outer space and created the whole universe becomes a vulnerable baby who needs to be fed and needs his nappy changed. All because he loves me and he wants to be present with me. And he wants to save me from my mess. Emmanuel, God with us. Could it be true? 
Well, if you truly believe that it's true, if you step out in faith and put your faith in this Savior child, I'll tell you one thing. You'll lose your reputation. I said to Joseph, if you go through with this, let me warn you now. You will experience gossip, public humiliation, and disgrace. Are you prepared to experience all of that? And Joseph said, Come what may, I know this is the truth, and I cannot deny the truth. Matthew chapter 1 and verses 24 to 25. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we stand in awe and wonder at the miracle of the birth of Jesus. That you, the Almighty God, the infinite God, the God who created the whole universe, became a human, became a baby just because you love us, just because you want to be present with us, and because you want to save us from our own mess. Father, we stand in awe of that. And Father, we, we pray that by your Holy Spirit you would reveal yourself afresh to us. And we thank you that you are still present with us by your Holy Spirit. And that this birth of Jesus gives us a hope for one day when all things will be renewed and restored and that there will be peace. But we thank you now that the truth of the story can bring a a real sense of peace in our hearts and rest right now. And in amidst all the busyness of Christmas, we pray that we would experience that peace that comes straight from you. We ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about Abergavenny Baptist Church, please visit our website at abergavennybaptist.co.uk.